It is harvest season, isn't it? Let's just believe in harvest. Let's be sowing seed. Let's be cultivating the fields and ready and waiting for the harvest to take place. Let's believe and have spiritual eyes that will look out outside into the fields and see that they're white and ready to be harvested, to visualize and have a vision for the harvest. How many here want to see your family saved and your friends and, and your co-workers and your neighbors and those around us? And then just start sowing seed. How you sow seed? You talk Jesus. You talk Jesus at the store. You talk Jesus at work. You talk Jesus at the hospital. You talk Jesus everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. When you got to talk to someone about your bills, amen, just say that I'm praying to Jesus, that Jesus is going to help me and he's going to bless. But just start sowing Jesus and, and spreading the word about Jesus Christ. Tonight, if you would, just turn to your Bible and be ready. I'm going to be going to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33 and I I do need some help tonight pastor Mike alluded in the foyer told someone that you know somebody was talking so well pastor I don't want to get your mind off of what you're going to preach on pastor Mike said well you know you're looking at dad dad's got 40 years experience of of preaching but you know but I always need help you ask Leah ask her if I need help I need help so I want you to join in and more than that is that God's people ought to join in with the word of God God's word is to be celebrated God's word is to be celebrated it's the living word of God God breathed upon it and with it comes prophecy life and power and the bread of life is the word of God so therefore God's word deserves celebration it deserves it praise the Lord so just celebrate with me the word of God so be ready in Exodus chapter 33 father in Jesus name would you just stretch your hand forward with me and agree with me father in the name of Jesus Christ help me Lord to share a word tonight that would be a very important word a word that will cause us to be touched and transformed before we leave this sanctuary tonight Lord, I know that many folks have pressed themselves to be here and pushed themselves and, and just, it's not by coincidence that they're here tonight, but it was an intentional decision to be here tonight. Now, Lord, just let your Holy Spirit begin to move as has been moving during worship and help me, Father, and anoint me, God, that your word come alive as I speak in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I were to put a title to this message, I would just kind of title it a long title. Is that okay? Can I give it a long title? Usually I go one or two words and then that's about it. But this one's going to be long. Don't worry. It's not a reflection of the length of the sermon. But it's something that maybe you join in with me because the title of a message is an introduction that everybody can join in on with the message too. And so the title to the message tonight is, I'm not going to do anything or go anywhere without my God. I'm not going to do anything or go anywhere without my God. You know, this, this, you know we're entering into a, something else that is almost as bad as a pandemic. It's the political season. And, and, you know, and, and so expect your phone to ring often 
with recordings of different politicians in the running. Thank God for America, and I pray for my nation. And so this is one of those times as a citizen of the United States, I have to be a little tolerant toward the campaigns and, and, and the recordings and the calls and then the commercials. We can't forget about the commercials and everything going on and on and on. But it is an unusual season, though, and it? it's just, it's just strange. It's, it's just really unique. I mean, listen, I feel like every day I get up and I'm living history. I'm, uh, every day is a living history of something happening and going on. So politicians, they promise so many things, don't they? They promise like a safer country or more jobs or better education. And, and, but, you know, but we know that usually with all the promises and sounds real good, but rarely are they really ever really followed through and they happen. You know, some do, but a lot of them don't at times. At least that's my experience in life. So they rarely deliver. Besides, you know, I'd like to make different promises if I were to run for office. Can I make some promises with you? I'd like to make some different promises if I were to run. First of all, I promise tortillas and chips still have the same calories, but if consumed with queso or salsa, all calories are eliminated. I promise teachers and veterans would be paid more than professional athletes. I promise if you order a Big Mac with extra cheese and a large fry, you will not be allowed to order a Diet Coke. <laughs> and I promise that cancer, depression, heart disease can be cured by Rocky Road ice cream. Obviously, there are some promises too good to be true. There has to be some clause or some fine print and details. Did you know that there was a time when Moses was offered a deal by God and that it was too good to be true, but had a small clause that complicated a response from Moses? What if God offered us the same deal? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 33, verse 1 through 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked is stubborn. It's actually, it was used again in the New Testament, the book of Acts. Stephen was preaching and quoted, he said, and declared to the Pharisees and to those who were ready to stone him, he said, you're stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears. Your fathers resisted the Holy Spirit and so do you. Of course, he ended the day, ended up stoning him, but there's that stiff neck. It means stubborn. 
that you are a stubborn people. He said, I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. In other words, they, they kept off their jewelry. Why? Because their jewelry got them into trouble. Now, I'm not going to preach about jewelry tonight. Hey, I'm not against, I, I got a watch on tonight, okay? To those who want to pick on gold, uh, might as well pick on watches too and everything else, earrings and all that stuff. But I'm not going to talk about jewelry. That's not the message, okay? I don't have a problem with it. I mean, some folks really probably need to accessorize a little bit. It probably would help them a little bit, you know, because jewelry has nothing to do with, with a holiness factor. This world needs some transformed lives. This world needs some people who are going to walk out, going to be different. Uh, people are going to be light and not darkness. And people are going to spare, going to spread blessing and, and not cursing. That's what the world needs right now. You know, it sounds like to me, the, what the world needs is truly a people of God who are not stiff-necked, but they're not stubborn for their own ways, but they are hungry for God. That's the answer. That's the solution. Now, in the scripture, it, it, this happens right after a huge crisis moment. Moses had been up on the mountain on Sinai and getting the Ten Commandments, and the people had created a golden calf while he had lingered up there. The Bible says they heard a no, noise and I think one person said, Joshua said, there's noise in the camp as though there's a war. And Moses said, no, he says, there's celebration going on. There's partying going on in that type of noise. But when that happened, it, when Moses came down, you know the account of the story where he took the, the account of scripture, where he took the tablets, got mad, broke the tablets, and, and, and the people were being judged by God. A plague came down and killed so many of them. So much Moses was so mad that he went in Exodus 32 and 20, went and took the golden calf, grounded it down to powder, poured it on their water, and told everybody to drink it. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, this has come to my mind, you know, please forgive me, but can you imagine drinking that and someone has to take a drink and say, man, I feel like a million bucks. <laughs> I just, nobody said that, but they were in judgment, they felt bad, and then Moses talks to God, and it says, God tells Moses, we see in the scripture, go to the promised land. I'll send my angel and lead you. My angel will defeat all your enemies and it will be a land of vast resources. But in this, I want you to stop and think about it here for a moment and listen to that. It's everything that a person can want. God's provision, his blessing, his anointed leadership, and a great future. But something was missing. Verse, there are seven words that are missing out of that whole context of what I just shared with you. It is that God said, I will not go up in your midst. I will not be with you. In other words, listen to me. Hear this. There are some things I'm going to tell you I want you to hear because I want you to soak it in for a moment. In other words, you can go through life being under the Lord's leadership travel on the right path, proceed with his blessings, and yet you'll still miss out on God's presence. 
It is, it's possible for a person to have enough God to have eternal life, but at the same time be going through life without God's presence. And some people are happy with that. They're ready for a trade-in. They are ready for what God offered Moses. They would say, yeah, I'll take that. Got an angel on my way, going to have the blessing, going to the promised land, and all this. I'll, I'll take that, God. That sounds real good, but Moses, wait a minute. Stop here. Wait a minute. Where are you, God? Where is your presence, God? More than anything and everything, I, I'm more than anything, Lord. Lord, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go anywhere unless you are with me, God. Your presence is more valuable than all possessions and all blessing. See, the problem with America's Christian is that we're all about the blessing. We want the blessing. We want all the goodness and the good stuff. You know, we want everything that prosperity, blessing, everything coming to us we want it and we'll be happy enough to go through a uh, like a robotic motion of relationship not really having a relationship having God almost like we have bought hell insurance but we don't really want God's presence that much I got a chance to go to the promised land and I'm going to heaven that's all I need I don't need anything else but let me tell you my brothers and sisters if we get to a place in our walk with God with that we're missing it we're missing the presence of God we're missing the opportunity of something that is more priceless more precious more glorious than anything this earth can have it is the glory of God it is the presence of God and if we all have that then my goodness we might as well just form a club get together pat each other on the back saying you're good I'm good everybody's good and then let's just move on and maybe we'll make it into heaven but God is wanting those who say God I just have to have your presence and nothing else, even the good stuff, will not be good enough. I've got to have your presence. Now, I, I read that and I thought, and I'm jumping all over the place. Goodbye, notes. You're gone. I'll never be able to find myself. But I thought almost in prophetic sense. An angel is a messenger. It's almost like if you were to spin off and move forward into the New Testament or the end of the Old Testament. When there began a man clothed in goatskin and declaring as being prophesied as the forerunner, as the messenger of the Lord. And his name was John the Baptist. Oh, you can go on and walk and march with John the Baptist if you want. You could. In essence, you could follow the messenger, which is the angel of the Lord, as the children of Israel could have done that. Or Moses. He, thank God, he was somebody that stood in the gap. 
who made a decision for an entire nation. Let me tell you, you moms and dads, you are making a decision for the whole future of your family. You are making a decision that's going to have impact from generation to generation. You see the power that you have, and with that awesome responsibility comes that decision for the presence of the Lord. Because see what it is, uh, John the Baptist, he had his place. He was an angel or messenger. That's what angel means, is messenger of the Lord. But then someone else came on the scene, and a people decided that the glory of God was more important than the angel leading the way, and the glory came and walked in Galilee and healed the lame and forgave uh, the sinner and, and raised the dead and died on the cross and rose on the third day. Let me tell you, show me your glory, God. Uh, I don't want a good sermon that begins to get me ready. I want your presence, God, that will fix me, that will do something in me, that will transform me and give me life. Some, you understand what I'm saying? So let me move further here. It is possible for a person to have enough God to have eternal life, but at the same time be going through life without his presence. 2 Timothy 3, 4, and 5 says, talks about being lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they'd already denied its power. And it's possible to get to that place of being saved. I want you to know, I don't save anybody. So therefore, I don't point a finger at anybody and say, you are lost. Because I don't save anybody. I don't forgive anybody of their sins. So I don't say that. I believe that when we make it into heaven, we're all going to rejoice and praise God for the strength of God's grace. The strength of God's grace that has kept us and upheld us and sustained us and made us go all the way into glory. But I will tell you this, that we are in a pivotal time in the kingdom of God that we will pray and say, Thy will be done in heaven as it is on earth. That Lord, we want heaven to come down and begin to make a change and transformation. Listen, this world is messed up. I have never seen anything like it in my life. I have never lived in times such as these. These are the last of the last days. Jesus is coming back again and the rapture is going to take place. But what are we going to do until then? I'll tell you what we'll do. We occupy till he comes. And how can we occupy? We occupy because we have his presence presence and that he said I'll never leave you nor forsake you I'll go with you all the way even to the end of the age and the devil he's not worried about the survivors what he's really worried about today are those who are thriving in the presence and power of God not the survivors well I'm saved I got hell insurance I'm not going to hell but you better make sure that you've kept up with your policy. You know, you know, that's the funny thing about grace is that grace is relational. 
and that God does his part, but listen, it ain't all him, it's you too. You gotta live in the newness of life. You gotta live as a transformed person, a changed person. You gotta walk in, you gotta walk in obedience. Hallelujah. Now, what we need to do is ask ourselves, if God let me have a happy life and things would work out well for me, would that be enough? Mm. If God let me have a happy life and things worked out well for me, would that be enough for me? It would be for a lot of folks. Now, in Exodus 33, verse 12 through 15, then Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. You ever meet somebody who didn't know your name? I mean, they mumble, fumble at it. You know, I get phone calls at the church. Yes, is this Pastor Rodney? I know where it's going to come from and I know where it's heading. So I said, no, this isn't Pastor Rodney. I'm sorry. And he's not in the office right now. If you don't, because he's not. And, and if you don't learn my name, then why even talk to me? God knows our name. My mother knew my name. Let me get to where I'm going here, right here, okay? My mother knew my name. And when my mother said my name, something happened. You know, when I was a, a child, when I'd hear... Ronnie, I paid attention to it. But when I heard my name, Ronnie Lee Bynum, she knows my name. Oh, uh-huh, something, you know, we need to respect God. He calls us by our name. You know, do you understand what, what this is all about? We call him Yahweh. We call him Jehovah. We give him all the names and we cry out to him all his multiple classified names that describe his attributes and his glory and his power. But then in turn to the one who really doesn't have to return back with any other statement, he says our name. He knows who we are. He doesn't have to, but he wants to. Oh, he knows your name. He wants to know your name. He wants to know you. And here Moses is praying. He said, Lord, God, you know my name. And that you said also I found grace in my sight, that you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. You see, listen, how many here want to know God's way? What is God requiring? What is God wanting out of us? And I will tell you having uh, you know, hell insurance, you don't go to hell, it's not going to be enough there. You're going to want to know him. You're going to want to follow him. You're going to want to be in his presence. 
You're going to want to be close to him, you know. And, and maybe God coming into your space. Oh, my goodness. You know, that doesn't work very well right now, does it? Oh, God comes around. I better put my mask on. Because there's got to be social distancing. God doesn't distance anybody. Oh, oh, hallelujah. I can holler over there in the corner of the room. Hey, John. But if Josh gets in my space or I get in his space, then I can tell him something and he will hear me. Then he can tell me something and I can hear him. But too many people are just happy for God to be in the room, but they don't want God in their space. But this wasn't the prayer of Moses. He said, Lord, show me your glory. Let me see your face. Let me behold you and get close to you, God. Lord, come on in and get in my space, God. Oh, Lord, can I get into your space and become closer to you? It's the remedy for the COVID-19. I don't know if you know that or not. But all that inside junk that's wanting to grip you, Grip your mind. Grip your heart. Fear is a spirit. And a spirit wants to latch hold of another spirit, which is yours. But the cure for the COVID-19 is crying out to God and say, oh God, show me your glory. Oh God, get in my space and get close to me and let me, God, get close to you. It's the cure for what's really ailing us on the inside. Most of us walking around in this room, hopefully none of us have the COVID-19, but we're suffering for it because it's a battle that is raging and the battle is inside of you and in your mind and in your spirit the enemy's trying to work it out to try and remind you of what is going on but when you see and when you and I step into the glory of God there's nothing else that matters there's nothing else that compares to the glory of God Hallelujah. Now Moses, he prays. He says, God, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere unless you're with me. I don't want any part of it. Every day when we get up, we need to say, God, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything unless you're in it, unless you're with me. Because I'm not going to dare try to do this thing on my own. Some of you trying to work out your marital relationship. You need to start out and say, Lord, I'm not going to make any decisions. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. Unless I know you're in it. Otherwise, I want your presence. Don't leave me, God. As Moses prayed, he says, God, don't lead us away here. If you're not going to be with us, we don't want to leave this spot. Unless you're with us. Unless you're with us. 
God was so impressed with the prayer in the heart of Moses that he promised him again that he wouldn't they wasn't going to leave him that his presence was going to be with them and that he, he wouldn't leave it all up but he would be with them because Moses understands there's there's more than just getting into the promised land because when he's praying to God Moses is still struggling with being the leader He's struggling at the burning bush. He was struggling then. He was struggling during the plagues. He was struggling even then and now. He was, he was struggling and he needed God more than anything. He needed his presence. I'm not going to do anything or go anywhere without my God. Show me your ways. Not looking for information. He says, I want more. I want to know you, God. I want more. I need your presence, not just your provision. Your ways, so we may know you, Lord. Your ways and how you work. If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from this place. We're not going anywhere. I don't want to just be busy. Just doing church stuff will never be enough. I need the living water splashing around me. I need the presence of God. If you don't lead us, God, there's, there's no purpose to move from here. But we're going somewhere. And it's true that God wants to take us somewhere. We don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. We, we're waiting on somebody at the capital to finally make up their mind which way they're going to go and how we're going to do it. We don't know what the fall's going to bring, winter, or what else is going to come our way. But that's okay because if things look murky and things look dark and things seem to be uncertain, we have the presence of God that clears the path, makes the high places low and raises up the low places. The one who clears the way so that we can go on if we have his presence. If we have his presence if we don't then without the presence of the Lord then it's all superficial fluff without God's presence do you know what is being displayed today I'll tell you what's being displayed today the remnant is starting to come out the remnant is starting to step out not those who are along for the show or those who want hell insurance, but the remnant, the children of God, the lovers of the Lord, those who love him more than anything, those who love his presence more than anything, they're stepping out. They're believing God. They're going out. If I gotta wear a mask, I'm going to church just the same. It just doesn't matter because I want the presence of God. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about the, the obvious presence of God. I know God's everywhere. I'm talking about the manifested presence of God. When God manifests himself before his people. 
That's when things really happen. Because anybody can say, well, God's just everywhere. God's with me. Yeah, that's okay. But you better, you and I better be seeking for the manifested presence of God. Hallelujah. A.W. Tozer wrote, The world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God. And the church is famishing for want of his presence. The instant cure of most of our religious ills would be to enter his presence in spiritual experience. To become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. This would lift us out of our pitiful narrowness and cause our hearts to be enlarged. This would burn away the impurities from our lives as the bugs and the weeds are burned away by the fire that dwelt in the bush for want of his presence. I never really thought about it that way. I wouldn't want to be a bug on the bush right before it was lit up. Oh, no, maybe it was really a party place to be lit up. Maybe that's where lightning bugs started. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Please don't quote me. But I'm sure. But the fact that when God spoke to Moses, the manifested presence of God. Psalm 16 and 11 says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand there are pleasures forever. Psalm 51 and 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 140 and 13 says, Surely the righteous will praise your name and the upright will live in your presence. Psalm 97 and 5 says, The mountains melt like wax, at the presence of a hey you facing a mountain then you need the presence of God and mountains will melt away in your life cause of his presence at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth how how we need it hallelujah many people think Christianity is for Sundays but I have to correct myself I think we're changing our mind that Christianity is not really on Sunday we'd rather it be talked about all week long but never really concentrated about on a Sunday because we seem to find so many other things to do on a Sunday besides coming and worshiping God listen I'm telling you this this is time where the rubber meets the road we are living in devilish times we are living we're seeing people beat on the doors and beat on the walls and the doors the gates of the city and declaring violence and antagonistic ideas and, and antichrist theology thoughts and anti-God and anti-natural uh, uh, living and natural way of living. It's just every rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. We need to wake up and realize it is time, amen, to seek the Lord. It is time for the presence of God to be made manifest in our life. God to give us
give us boldness and power and authority. You know what happened, old Moses? Old Moses went up there and he went back up the mount and sure enough, God said that, he said, God, I want to see your glory. And God told Moses, Moses, I tell you what, I'll, you can't look at me and live, but as I pass by, I'll show you my goodness. I'll let you see my goodness. And the Bible said that God said, I'll put you in a rock in a cleft of the rock and my hand will be upon you and when I pass by the glory of the Lord was going only God could declare himself did you know that the Bible says God said I will declare myself my entrance and my coming I am declaring it and so God declares himself and he passes by as his hand is over Moses because if Moses saw God he would die but when God passed by and he saw the, the behind portion of God behind him you know what he didn't see God's back he saw everything that followed behind God the glory and the power. Some theologians believe it's at that moment that that time that Moses saw the panoramic view of the creation of the world and God giving him revelation because of the goodness that he saw in God and the glory of the Lord. God said, you can't see me and live. I'll just give you a little bit, but when you come down the mountain, you are never ever going to be the same. Hallelujah. And the whole camp is going to want to practice social discipline from you because there's going to be an aura and a glow that's going to come out of your face because you've been in the glory of God. This is what the world needs from the children of God. We have been in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, we have been in the presence of God. I got to close. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when we leave this service tonight, we can leave with a superstitious faith. Talking about history. And what has happened, and it's happened to somebody else. Or we can leave seeking the presence of God. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Oh God... I don't want your blessings. I want you. If I have you, I have everything. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere without you, God. I need your presence. I need your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Show me your glory, God. Show me your glory, God. This is what we need. This is what the world needs. All it takes is just for you and I to want God so much, 
desire him so much and love him so much. We'll seek his face. We'll want to see his glory. God revealed in us, God using us and his glory. This is not reserved for only in the past. For our God is a never-ending, unchanging God. His glory is so important that he told the disciples, tarry in the sea of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. They experienced the fire and the glory of God on the day of Pentecost. They received power. He said, don't you dare go and preach or do anything until you be filled with the Spirit of God. I say that to those who feel a call of God in your life. Seek to be, receive his glory and be baptized in the Holy Ghost. So he may empower you to be a messenger, to be a preacher, to be used by him. I don't know what you're going through. What you've been, I tell you what, oh my goodness, somebody get some paper out and we just write up a good long list of the stuff. All the stuff. I went fishing the other day and I found a new respect in lily pads. I lost tackle in the lily pads. I lost a good float in the lily pads. It's still there. If you go out there to Rupert Lake or Lake Rupert, you'll find it. It's over there along the ground.